Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. I'm John Ryan, and this is Pod Roast. This week, another of our series of Pod Toasts, where we prove I'm not just an audio misery guts and salute the best in podcasting, with the biggest miscarriage of justice in British legal history, and 10 years of celebrating tiny details. Every so often, a news story comes around that's so unbelievable, you need to read it twice to make sure you're not mistaken. Nine postmasters and mistresses recently had their names and reputations cleared at the Court of Appeal in London following the biggest ever miscarriage of justice. Between 2000 and 2014, the post office had accused 736 of them. 736 of false accounting and theft, thanks to incorrect information coming from a new computer system called Horizon. Some went to prison, some have since died, and all have lost something. It's the story of how a much-loved and trusted British institution abused its responsibility and shattered the lives of hundreds of ordinary people. Not my words, but of Nick Wallace. Nick's the journalist who came across this story and stuck with it doggedly until that moment at the appeals court last month. The Great British Post Office Trial is a podcast that tells the story, but also the story of the story, the journalism itself. Extraordinary is certainly an overused adjective when describing podcasts, but the way this story is told, and Nick's engaging manner from the start, certainly add up to something more than the dreary, big-story podcasts that are thrown together without much thought as an A to B canter through the headlines. I'm looking at you, most newspaper podcasts. This story begins with a tip-off from a taxi firm to a local radio station. The owner's pregnant wife, Seema, had just been sent to prison for a crime she didn't commit, said the caller. There are great moments of description here. Nick describes the desperation of his informant, Davinda, the way that during their first meeting he smoked, pulling hard on his cigarette, throwing it to the ground before it was half finished, and stamping on it before lighting another. There's a line between the lack of description or audio colouring in in basic podcasts and the overwordiness of your typical NPR offering, where sometimes the record everything rule means there's 20 minutes of good stuff drowning in masturbatory, journalistic, navel-gazing. But here it feels like the story both has time to breathe, but also isn't being held back by the detail that Nikki is giving us. This could be because the podcast started life as a 15-minute episode Radio 4 series, an unusual length, but one that instills brevity. In fact, I go so far as to say it's a better listen in that form than in the compilation versions also available on some platforms. The first interview audio is certainly affecting, right there in episode 1, a broken man breaking down to our podcaster. In an interview that's now getting on for 20 years old, there's music use, but it's just in the background, helping the story along, rather than trampling all over it. Nick does the first-person shtick well, as he begins to unravel what he calls the intricate web of corporate deceit. He says the great post office trial became his life. 
It's deserved, too. Someone, sometime, would have undoubtedly uncovered this terrible story, if Nick hadn't. But it's hard to imagine anyone exposing it with the kind of determination and brio that he's brought to it. In episode one, the story continues to South Warnborough in North East Hampshire. Country sound effects take us to our second case study, a tiny post office in a grocer in a village of just 509 residents. Another postmistress is here to tell her story. There's intercut background. John Cleese pops up on a vintage post office ad, for example. The more you use us, the more you get out of us, says the catch line. This is where we first learn about Horizon, the little computer that sits on every desk at the post office. Every week there's a moment of truth when the postmaster balances their actual takings with what the computer says they should have, Nick tells us. After a pin pad upgrade in 2004, that became worryingly impossible to do. Not by a few pence, not by a couple of quid, by £2,000. By 4000 the losses escalate. But the person in charge needs to put their own money into the system if there's a gap. In this location, Joe is our victim. She put £9,000 of her own money into the post office till to plug the gap. The hole got bigger. Her savings were gone and she remortgaged. She sounds real, like the boy in the post office. Certainly not a criminal. That hole in her account kept on growing. 36 grand. Joe's union got her to lawyer up and called in the post office. But rather than see her as a victim of a computer screw-up, she was told no one else ever had a problem with Horizon and she needed to pay that £36,000 by return. After months waiting, the case is almost in court when Joe is offered a deal. Plead guilty to false accounting, pay the losses, and they'll drop the theft charge. She had no choice and took that deal. There's a chilling moment when she describes walking into Winchester Crown Court and seeing her name on the massive display board in the atrium. The Queen versus me, she says. Nick's clips are cleverly pitched at that fear we all have of being unfairly accused. With a court full of supportive villagers, though, you get the sense Joe is going to be okay. There aren't enough seats for the people who want to prove her innocent. They even raised that £36,000. She didn't go to jail, but she was left just penniless and a convicted criminal. The line between these two case studies that leads to 736 people in the Court of Appeal is the best element of this podcast. Nick reminds us the post office said she was the only one who had problems with Horizon. Well, wasn't she, he asks. Before 13 seconds of brilliant sound design, a beautiful montage of only five voices, all with similar tales as the two we've already heard, overlapping with each other and a chilling bit of violin, making it clear there are many others. This sound montage, in the final few seconds of episode one, absolutely binge-making, but told with honesty, respect and care for hundreds of victims. The great post office trial is essential listening. Next, Nurk's uses for celebrating a podcast that's been going for 10 years now. I remember first extolling 99% Invisible on a long-forgotten Five Live show about the New Thing podcasts, getting on for that decade ago. 
It's been in the news recently as founder Roman Mars, who has the definitive perfect and yet take-offable podcast delivery ever, has flogged the whole thing to yank audio giant Sirius XM. He spends a fat and quite frankly self-indulgent four minutes telling us all about it while underlining the fact that the same team will still be making the show. Not many podcasts have made a 10th anniversary, but this one really deserves it. 99% Invisible is hard to pigeonhole, but essentially it's about design. The 1% of clever, if you like. It spans architecture, cities, why objects are like they are. Here are some recent episodes. Curb cuts about how curb drops are designed for wheelchair users. A strange tale about abandoned cargo ships in seas around the world. And the rise and fall of megaplex cinemas. Oh, the invention of the flushable toilet was another notable recent app. One of the benefits of 10 years of episodes is there are now nearly 500 to choose from, but it's still worth subscribing and trying with a subject you don't think you'd ever want to know about. It might surprise you. When you click on play, you'll hear lots of the usual NPR podcast tropes, funky and irrelevant backing music, hipster delivery and so on, but Roman and his team sure know how to tell a story. They have the best contributors who seem to be coached to speak visually, painting pictures with words. Sometimes the most complex setups are sketched with the most effective verbiage. In the Curb Cuts edition, for example, a Smithsonian curator describes a storage room as that classic what you'd think of as a dark, dusty, sort of scary, mildly mysterious storage room in a museum. There were drug jars, there were parts of mannequin bodies laying around. Every sentence feels crafted, but also seems natural and follows the famous Orwell rules for good writing. And that's not just from the hosts, it's from their guests too. The Chicago Tribune calls it the greatest podcast that ever was, and ever has been, in the 20-year history of commercial podcasting. They call it mild-mannered, almost deceptively straightforward. 99% Invisible still explains itself as a podcast about design, which has the cliché goes is like saying Moby Dick is a novel about whales. If by any chance you have missed it, start gorging now. I'm John Ryan, raising a glass to the Great British Post Office trial from BBC Sounds and 99% Invisible, now with Sirius XM. Normal services resume next week when I seek out new podcasts to listen to so you don't have to. Welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book, and together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts.